Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Why it matters on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's The Breakfast Huddle. Elliot Danka, Bharati Jagdish and Ryan Huang with you. It's time now for Why It Matters. And we're taking a look at the situation in Japan. Well, Japan, of course, is like many other countries battling a surge in COVID-19 cases thanks to the Delta variant. But its vaccination campaign has surged ahead in tandem. This, of course, sets the stage for an economic recovery as the country maintains its economic assessment for a fourth straight month in August. In fact, Japan is aiming to fully vaccinate its population by November this year. Oh, the fully vaccinated population of the country, proportion of the country's population rather, should even eclipse the United States by mid-September. Uh, although we'll, do, we'll have to verify those numbers. I'm really excited because I love Japan and if you look at this impending recovery, there there is that optimism, the potential wave of opportunities that businesses in the region can capture capitalize on because the market starts to warm up to inbound investments, business partnerships of that sort. We must consider the country's position as a global tech leader. It's ranked third in the world for the number of patents filed annually. And this, of course, gives businesses great opportunities to improve their capabilities and to increase their competitiveness, not just locally, but globally. To tell us more about how Japan's growing vaccine rollout could be a good sign for Singapore businesses, we're joined now by Kotaru Tamura. He's former senator and parliamentary secretary in charge of economic and fiscal policy in Japan. Also now an adjunct professor, executive education at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. And he was also an advisor to Premier Shinzo Abe on fiscal policy and economic policy. So that makes him the perfect person to talk to about what the road ahead will look like. Good morning, Kotaro-san. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Sure. So happy to have you. I know that Japan has been in and out of lockdowns and of course states of emergency every now and then and was really under scrutiny during the recent Olympics. Perhaps give us an idea of the full impact of COVID-19 on businesses in Japan. They are in a different state today than they were of course pre-COVID. What is the magnitude of the effect? Well, uh, you know, big negative impact. So as you mentioned, the state of emergency is still going on, but you know, government will try to reopen the economy soon as you have mentioned vaccination rollout in japan is, is now uh, one of the fastest in the world 72 million people are fully vaccinated as of yesterday that accounts for 57 percent of the total population fully vaccinated but at the same time we need to be a bit careful because you know we are uh, taking a closer look at uh, what's going on in singapore singapore as you know here, uh, more than 80% of the total population is fully vaccinated, but still cases are rising. So Singapore and Japan situation is very uh, much alike. Total number of cases to population is relatively smaller than other OECD countries. So that means uh, fully vaccinated rates should be around 85%. So that's the Japanese target. Around that time, we can fully reopen our economy. But at the same time, timing is very tricky. Mm. You know, autumn holiday season is coming. Winter holiday season is also coming. So people travel, people gather. So that's another concern. 
Katano-san, I really miss Japan. Uh, and, and I'm thinking that, you know, with everything that you've mentioned, there's also been a lot of talk about pivoting as, as a very generally used word. Is the trade pattern between mm. our two countries pivoting or changing in, it, in that sense? I think big things will, will be happening and more bigger things is coming to Singapore. Japan used to invest a lot into China, but, uh, you know, from now on, because of the geopolitical regions and the intellectual property protection regions, many Japanese companies are thinking about and are already trying to relocate their supply chains, value chains from China to Southeast Asia. Many Southeast Asia, Indonesia, Vietnam is interesting. But, you know, where, where is the gateway that has a talent and a business intelligence? I think that's Singapore. So Singapore should be more headquartered mm-hmm. with Asian operation of Japanese companies who would like to explore the opportunity here in Southeast Asia. You know, I'm just wondering if you're being a little too optimistic. Uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you're looking forward to a full opening up, right? A full reopening. But if you look at Singapore, you know, we have been opening up a bit and then having to sort of yeah. take stronger restrictions, take stronger measures rather. Mm. As we move along, even as we are prepared to live with COVID, live with Mm. endemic COVID. So while we can be more optimistic, I'm being a little too optimistic in terms of saying, you know, perhaps a full reopening very soon in spite of the vaccination rollout being a success. Mm. So, you know, in order to reopen the market fully to the COVID, we need to have a vaccination, we need to have medical capacity and we need to have a cure medication for COVID. So medication for COVID will be coming maybe I say in after the, this winter. And the medical capacity, Japan is building up the more capacity for the COVID patient. I think you know those two, uh, Singapore is preparing for those two and vaccination will be coming to eighty five percent. And uh, maybe both countries need to think more about the vaccination for kids. Maybe kids will be the next victim of the ta- of the COVID. Hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm, if you take all into account vaccination, medical capacity and the medication and the vaccination of the kids, I think I'm, you know, reasonably optimistic about reopening between two countries. Mm-hmm. Katara-san, when you think of mm. Japan, naturally, I mean, as outsiders to Japan, we think, oh, it's a, it's a high-tech nation, especially mm. Tokyo, right? You look at Singapore, we've got our own smart smart nation initiative mm. how huge will technology be in you know pushing forward uh, our reopening of our economy between our two countries and also you know there's there's the potential for infrastructure development as well how will all this play into increasing our trade relations and, and making sure that comes a lot sooner mm. let me talk about uh, technology first and among technologies there are two kind of technologies deep tech and uh, information technology related things, you know, uh, technologies in the internet space and technology out of the internet space. Technologies in the internet space, I think Singapore and Southeast Asia has a lot of benefit because, you know, digitization uh, is here in Southeast Asia. It's leapfrogging the graph and pay now, mm. uh, buy now, pay later kind of stuff. Yeah. Japan's a bit behind. So we can invite those technologies at the same time, deep tech, deep tech is a kind of a technologies outside of the internet, material science, space technologies, and pharmaceuticals, 
and the quantum computing. Mm. But a lot of technology like this, and we can import and we can use Singapore as a gateway to spread those technologies with our global marketing skills and investment from Singapore to the world. So Singapore can be a gateway to West and East. So, Uh you know, we are having a hard time doing doing business with China. But Singapore, Singapore business leaders know how to deal with China. At the same time, how to deal with Europe, Africa, even Latin America and the U.S. So we can collaborate a lot. I understand that Japan's election is set to take place on or before 28th of November. Mm. Of course, this will be closely watched as well as political developments are, even in business relationships, all very closely related and geopolitically very significant. What can we expect from the upcoming elections and the sorts of priorities that the political establishment will be tackling as they step into office? We have three big elections. One is the presidential election of the ruling party, LDP. So this Kishida-san, Kono-san is neck on neck. Probably Kishida-san will win. And the new prime minister, I think, having the two big elections, lower, ele- lower house election this uh, winter and the next summer, upper house election. So he needs to win both elections in order to keep the majority in both houses. But I think it's possible. And after two elections, there's no election for three years. So he can buy three years for without election. So this is very rare in the Japanese election cycle. So I can say two things. One is before the election, of course, ruling party will do a lot of pipeline measures, fiscal stimulus, so Japanese economy will rebound, rebound soon because of that more money injection coming from the government. After the two big elections, lower and upper house, I think there's no election for three years. That means, you know, politicians can tackle with very difficult issues, unpopular to the public. So, including immigration issues, more delegation, delegation, especially in the field of the finance, in the field of agriculture and fishery, and, you know, inviting more women into the power position and, you know, more youth into the power position. That kind of restructuring will be happening in Japan. So, very interesting. In the short term, more money is coming to the economy. In the long run, Japan will do more restructuring, which is unpopular, but at the same time necessary. So I think Japan can be a very interesting opportunity for Southeast Asia and Singapore. So that's why I'm running the executive program at NUS, the Kwanyu School, to try to give more business intelligence for both sides, for Japanese business leaders and the business leaders here, and opportunity to collaborate each other together to obtain the opportunities here in Asia. Mm. That course, I believe you are running, is titled Insights into Regional Politics, Economics and Culture for Japanese Mm. Business Leaders and Policymakers. It's happening from the 15th to the 19th of November. I mean, Mm. you you highlighted, you know, the objective of this course, but if there was one thing you could give us to preview in in a short one or two minutes, one thing short to preview uh, of what to expect from the course, what would it be? So you can learn uh, what's going on in Japan and uh, what will be happening in Japan for the Japanese business leaders. Japanese business leaders, they understand Asia is important, but you know, Asia is so fragmented. India, China is of, of course different, but even ASEAN countries, they tend to think ASEAN is a one big united market like the EU, but it's not. It's a fragmented, 10 fragmented markets 
and very different and very diverse. In all the religion, all the ethnicity, all the has a government governance type is here. All the has a economic development stage is here. So in order to obtain the opportunity here in Asia, you, you must understand each country's business, economics, religion, races, and culture, and history, everything. So in one week, you can get, you know, basic, very important essence as a business intelligence doing business here in Southeast Asia and for the Asian leaders obtain the opportunity in Japan. That's coming. Definitely. And certainly COVID-19, I'm sure, has caused a lot of things to change and some nuances to take note of as well as we move ahead in terms of business relations with other countries, especially Japan. Yeah. Thank uh, you very like, much like, for like that. Yes, like you said, I'm dying to want to come back to Japan and uh, you want to travel to Japan. Yeah, let's go to Japan together. All right, yes, let's do indeed. it. <laughs> <laughs> this goes beyond business relationships. Huh? Uh, yeah, 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 and yeah, I have yeah, been talking Japan, about yeah. how we love Japan, how people in Singapore want to take a holiday in Japan, and hopefully that will happen soon enough. Thank you very much, Kotaro-san. Yeah. Uh, Kotaro Thank you very much Tamura. for your big love of Japan. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today, sir. Kotaro Tamura is former senator and parliamentary secretary in charge of economic and fiscal policy in Japan, and he is currently an adjunct professor, executive education at the Lee Kuan Yew School of Public Policy at NUS. Thanks for joining us on The Breakfast Huddle on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.